0: Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Basar Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Wow, wow, wow. wow.
1: God is so good. I was sharing with Luke this morning at 7.30 on Saturday morning. He's opening up a prayer time to pray for the carols. So anyone wants to come down the oval and let's just cover that place in prayer before the crowds come in the afternoon. And the forecast is looking good for a beautiful uh, fine night. But we want to thank Luke and all the team for involved and and invite you to come down to prayer. We need a few more volunteers to help sell glow sticks and set up uh, uh, tents and all sorts of things. So please see Luke um, afterwards if you're interested in that. Just before I share today, I, I woke up this morning. You know, it's awesome when you wake up some days ready to go. Other days you wake up and think, mate, is it that time already? This morning I woke up with that word, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I felt the Lord say, you need to remind some people today that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. For some of you, the enemy has tried to attack your identity or other people's words have tried to steal your purpose and identity. But today, the Holy Spirit says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are created in His image. You are created to bring the light and love and hope of Jesus to this broken world. If that word speaks today, let's just reach up to heaven right now. Father, we just reach out and claim that promise, Father. Lord, for any scheme of the enemy that's tried to attack and steal people's identity and purpose and destiny, in Jesus' name I declare freedom from every lie of the enemy. And the truth is that you have blessed your people. We are favoured. Lord, for others that have been attacked by people's opinions and words that have tried to condemn and judge and steal and rob, in the name of Jesus, we declare blessing, favour, strength, freedom over every heart and mind today in the name of Jesus Christ. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are created in your image. You have come to set your people free. I thank you for that today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Give someone a high five and let's take our seats.
0: <coughs>
1: wow. Weren't the kids awesome? I just love, I love them having the kids and all our leaders that help. And uh, how's this amazing Christmas decorations? To Neil and Grace and others have put this together. Thank you to Neil and Grace and everyone. Let's give them a huge... And this just looks like every house is going to have the light of Jesus in them. Across our city, across our community. Hey, how beautiful is that? Well, today we're starting a a four-week series for the month of December on the call of Christmas. We'll have three Sundays and then Christmas Eve we're having a beautiful service at uh, five o'clock and it's called the call of christmas and we're going to look at some of the ways that god prepared people for the first christmas of jesus coming and how that applies to us today so i want you to just uh, look at the screens and uh, watch this uh little video
2: not saying a word, I'm talking complete silence. God was for over 400 years. The mutinous from the creator of the universe, the one who said that Earth is but a footstool to him, was about to break his silence.
0: their children But, but I'm an old man my wife I am Gabriel I stand in the very presence of God and it was he who sent me to give you this good news you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born for what he has spoke will surely be fulfilled.
2: The ritual becomes radiant, and the faithful become fathers. When God speaks, the heavens rise and the earth bows. Hope grows where hurt was rooted. Time becomes eternity. And he leads us to holy ground that was once hollow. Yes, my friends, God is just getting started.
1: Wow. So dramatically done, but so powerful. And we can't really imagine what it would have been like for Zachariah. God hadn't spoken for 400 years directly to his people, and all of a sudden he intervenes in that powerful, powerful way. Let's read some of those verses in Luke 1, and this is the background to what you've just seen. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. When the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zachariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I haven't been sent to speak to you. I've been sent to speak to you to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me she said. In these days he has shown his favour and taken away my disgrace among the people. Wow Lord, what a powerful encounter this was. God breaks into history and he continues to break into history. But let's just unpack this a little bit more. I love the word of God and, and many People don't know the behind the scenes to the Christmas story. And that's why we want to just do that over these next few weeks and see how God and his grace prepared the way for Jesus to come. So when Zachariah, the aging priest in the video, went to work that day, he did not expect to encounter an angel. He had been a priest for decades and served faithfully in his priestly responsibilities for as long as he could remember. However, God regularly works through ordinary people doing what they normally do in their life. We see that. So no matter, we're just going about our work and sometimes God just intervenes. An angel shows up. An opportunity happens. A miracle breaks loose. God's word comes to our hearts. Although Zachariah was in the midst of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to offer incense inside the temple, angelic encounters are not as unique as we might expect. From the first chapters of Genesis in the Garden of Eden to the final Um, amazing pictures in Revelation and all throughout the page of the Bible there are hundreds of references where the activities of angels are recorded. A recent Google search of angel encounters produces well over one million results in less than one second. Historical reviews of virtually all nations and cultures demonstrate some belief in angels and angelic beings. The ancient Egyptians constructed their tombs with ornate and extravagant furnishings because of their belief that angels would visit the place where the dead resided in the ages to come. Early religions, apart from any connection from the page of the Bible, taught about the existence of angels. (coughs) And at this Christmas time, we need to consider God's word From Hebrews, Hebrews 13.2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So in other words, you may have been visited by an angel and didn't know it. So be nice and hospitable to all people this Christmas, because you never know who God might send to our lives. Speaking of Christmas songs, it would not be Christmas without singing songs that speak of angels and their activity as Hark the herald angels sing, or angels we have heard on high, or angels from the realms of glory, just to name a few of the carols that we sing. And remember, in those days, they only had the Old Testament, they didn't have the New Testament with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So God used angels more often to get a direct message to the people that he wanted to get it to. Billy Graham says, I believe in angels because the Bible says there are angels and I believe the Bible to be the true word of God. He goes on to write about how the Bible testifies that God has provided assistance for us in our spiritual battles and conflicts. We are not alone in this world. The Bible teaches that God's Holy Spirit has been given to empower us and to guide us. Also, the Bible is in nearly 300 different places, also teaches that God has countless angels at his command. Furthermore, God has commissioned these angels to aid His children in their struggles against Satan. If the activities of the devil and the demons seem to be intensifying in these days, as I believe they are, should not the incredibly greater supernatural powers of God's holy angels be even more indelibly impressed on the minds of the people of faith? And after all, references to the holy angels in the Bible far outnumber references to Satan and his subordinate demons. We need to be reminded of that today. That for every time you are challenged by evil spirits or darkness or lies and deception, there are countless more angels around supporting you, protecting you, bringing peace, bringing direction. The Bible says they are God's ministering agents. (coughs) They don't very often show up. I've had several times in my life where I've felt the presence of angels. I don't know if I've seen one. Maybe I have, but they come in all sorts of disguises. And we just need to be open for God to speak to our lives in whatever way he chooses. Don't go looking for them. They're sent when God knows you might need one. And that's important. After all, reference the holy angels are all everywhere. Expect angels to accompany you, to protect you, and to watch over you. Without question, Zachariah, the priest, sensed the presence of an angel in his life on this special occasion. He's just doing his job. And the divinely orchestrated encounter with the angel took place in the stillness of the workday when he least expected it. He received the call to Christmas, the call to prepare for Jesus to come. The call of Christmas certainly comes from angelic messengers sent directly by the Lord Almighty who plays an important part in the Christmas story. In this next few weeks' series, we'll examine four calls that came from the angels. The Gospel of Matthew records the call of Christmas from the angel that came to Joseph. The other three calls are recorded in the Gospel of Luke that begin with Zechariah, then move to Mary and ultimately to the shepherds who were in the fields surrounding Bethlehem watching their flocks by night. Each one of them had angel encounters that prepared the way for Jesus to come. All four instances recount an angelic call that would lead to the arrival of Jesus Christ. So the first call of Christmas is the call to prepare, prepare our lives, to prepare our hearts for God to speak to us and for God to speak through us to our um, community. And this is what we see today. This story introduced us to the faithful couple, Zachariah and Elizabeth, who loved God and lived lives of integrity and honour before the Lord. They were direct descendants of the priest Aaron. I'm not sure how many generations, for those Bible scholars who want to do it, you can let me know, but they were direct descendants, both of them, from that line of priests. They were godly people who honoured God and one another in their marriage. wherever there was deep sadness in their hearts and judgmental eyes from all who looked on their lives because they did not have any children in that time in history not having children was viewed as a curse from God because of some sin in a person's life or past wow that's pretty full-on hey but that's how the culture viewed it but that was not the case their time to have children had not yet come even though they were past their traditional childbearing and child rearing years <coughs> They had prayed their whole marriage for a child, as all Jewish couples would have done. Every Jewish woman dreamed of having the blessing and honour of not only having a child, but also of possibly being chosen to carry and give birth to the long-awaited Messiah. Wow, that was because they knew the Messiah was promised. So every Jewish woman had in her heart that maybe I'll be the one that God would choose. Well, that's how they lived for hundreds of years with expectation. So for them not to have any child, not only crushed their desire to be parents and to remove a sense of curse that people thought was on them, but they they thought maybe, maybe we might be the ones. And so this is the dramatic encounter of the angel just blew Zachariah away because they thought they were past childbearing age And now this word comes. You're going to have a a son. But it won't be Jesus. It's going to be John the Baptist who's going to be a prophet to prepare the way for Jesus to come. So you can imagine, this is why it was such a dramatic, powerful encounter in their lives. It was just so powerful. Their dream was long gone and Zechariah and Elizabeth. Nevertheless, they continue to pray and live faithful before God in their lives. Sometimes we've got dreams that haven't yet come. I want to say, be faithful, don't give up, just keep serving God if it doesn't quite work out the way you think it should or could. Because when you do that, you are positioning yourself, preparing your heart for God to keep doing maybe other things through your life. Don't be caught up just on one thing. Say, God, I'm going to serve you faithfully, even if life doesn't quite turn out the way I think. As a priest, Zachary would invest 50 weeks of the year at his home town, teaching and serving in his local synagogue. However, two weeks of the year, he and all other priests were a part of his, with part of his division of Abijah would head to Jerusalem to serve within the temple area and perform various priestly duties. There were 24 different priestly divisions in biblical days. Each division consisted of hundreds of priests to help with the various responsibilities that were needed both in their hometowns as well as in the temple in Jerusalem. Throughout the year, there was a rotation that enabled each of the 24 divisions of priests to serve two one-week terms that enabled a fair share of the workload in Jerusalem at the temple to be done with equitable sharing. During the time of service in Jerusalem, one of the more noble duties that occurred twice a day, morning and late afternoon, was the burning of incense on the altar inside the holy place of the temple. This way was such a responsibility was assigned by a method known as casting of lots. In other words, it's similar to drawing a name out of a hat to see among the hundreds of entries who might be selected for the special prize. Zachariah was selected for a literal once in a lifetime opportunity to preside over this holy priestly duty. If you want to read the background, Exodus 30 gives you the whole story of what that meant. The burning of insects by the priests even tied back to the Ark of the Covenant sacrifices and how God would meet with the people in that day of their ancient ancestors of the faith. As Zachariah was chosen to experience the culmination of his life's training and priesthood responsibilities, verses 11 onwards unfold what happened in the unique day when the call of Christmas would come to Zechariah after the prayers that were prayed. Zachariah was about to encounter the angel and be given the call to prepare for John to come who would prepare the way for Jesus. Zachariah was so overcome in the angelic angel, it likely took his breath away. His emotions raced from fear to consternation as he tried to understand what the angel was calling him toward. How could he be a part of receiving a call to prepare the way for the arrival of the Messiah? When he and his wife were so far past the season of being parents at this point the angel asserts himself and shares not only his name gabriel but also a sign of his power that would limit zachariah's speech until after john would be born billy graham goes on to write about the importance of gabriel and his ministry with great insight he says gabriel is primarily god's messenger of mercy and promise he appears four times in the bible always bringing good news Daniel 616 Daniel 921 Luke 1 9 and Luke 126 we may question whether he blows the silver trumpet since this idea arises from folk music and finds only indirect support in scripture but the announcement of Gabriel in unfolding the plans purposes and verdicts of God are of monumental importance how amazing is our God Billy Graham goes on to write, Gabriel first appears in the New Testament Luke 1. He identifies himself to Zechariah, announces the birth of John the Baptist, describes his life and ministry as a forerunner of Jesus. In other words, the call of Christmas from Gabriel to Zechariah is a call to prepare the way for the Messiah and the coming arrival. The birth of John the Baptist dynamically was connected with the call of Christmas that embodied the good news of God's salvation in Jesus Christ. When Gabriel appeared to Zechariah to announce the good news that Elizabeth would, despite her age, give birth to a son, his words were immersed in the good news. Gabriel communicated the call to prepare as he predicted John's message in verse 16 of Luke 1. (coughs) And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts to the fathers, to the children. The disobedient to the wisdom of the Lord just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And I believe today God uses us to prepare people's hearts to receive the message of Jesus. We can be prophetic voices to broken families that are disconnected. We can be a message of hope to those who have not experienced the light of Jesus in their dark world. And that's a powerful message. Powerful truth. So, the call of Christmas to Zachary is all about preparation. And now he couldn't speak. And I was sharing a few weeks ago on the power of our words. And I believe God struck Zachariah dumb so he couldn't speak any more negative words and cancel out or cut him off from the fulfillment of God's prophetic word. Sometimes, if you can't speak faithful words, keep your mouth zipped, (laughs) zip your lips. And be quiet. Sometimes we don't need to speak out the fears and doubt and negativity. So God says, I don't know if I can trust you, Zachariah. You're a godly man, but this is it. Just made him dumb. Could not speak until it was fulfilled. Thank God he doesn't do that with us. Otherwise, we would have some very quiet services. <laughs> and so he chose because this was, this was so crucial It had to go according to God's plan. He didn't want people to mess it up. And so God wants to trust us to speak words of life and truth and agree with what he's promised and prophesied over our hearts and our lives. So verse 21, it says, And the people were waiting for Zechariah. They were wondering at his delay in the temple. So obviously he was in there a lot longer than he normally would. I remember the Old Testament thing, that if they went to the Holy of Holies, they had a rope around their leg in case God struck them dead and they had to pull them out. So some of them were thinking, whoa, has Zechariah been a good boy or a bad boy? Is he coming out alive? And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. Perhaps Zachariah was good at the game charades. (laughs) When you get home in the privacy room with nobody allowed to record you on their mobile phone, just try and communicate to your family and friends by waving your hands and arms around that an angel met you in the temple as you were making the incense offering on the altar. (laughs) This would have been very humorous. I love God, he's got a God has got a good sense of humour in the middle of it all. Eh? Is he trying to explain, can't say any words? <laughs> what happened to him in there? And They're trying to work it all out. By now the call of Christmas has been received. The buzz around the temple surely made its way through the streets of Jerusalem and beyond as storytellers heard and retold the story of the angel who encountered Zachariah, the old priest. Verse 23, and when the time of service was ended, he went home to his wife. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. This call of Christmas could not have happened to a more deserving couple. In a quiet moment of his job, an angel appeared during Zachariah's work day in the temple and speaks his message from God. These were ordinary people doing their ordinary jobs in their ordinary lives and being faithful to God and one another through it all. As N.T. Wright notes, this story is about much more than Zachariah's joy of having a son at last or Elizabeth's exaltation from being freed from the scorn of the mothers in the village. It's about the great fulfillment of God's promises and purposes. But the needs, hopes and fears of ordinary people were not forgotten in this larger story, precisely because of who Israel's God is, the God of lavish, self-giving love. When God acts on the large scale, he takes care of smaller human concerns as well. So the story goes on, we pick it up in verse 57 of Luke 1. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. That was the normal tradition. But his mother spoke and said, no, he's to be called John. They said, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father. So now they're doing sign language as well. They've learned that <coughs> over the last six months or nine months. This is where sign language started from, by the way. so they made their their signs and uh, what he should name the child he asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment he wrote his name is John immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was free and he began to speak praising God what an amazing miracle that is for nine months or ten months hasn't spoken a word mate he had a few to catch up on didn't he and we haven't got time to read it, but then we see Zechariah's amazing song that he declares of praise to God and who John the Baptist was going to be. And he'd had all this time to meditate on the prophetic word of God. So he knew now he had to keep this really faith-filled, no doubt, no unbelief. So it pours out of him in an amazing song, Zechariah's song, which is in Luke chapter 1. And if you haven't read this story, it's, it's, it's fascinating story of how God brought it to pass so the miracle happens and uh, he started to speak and praising God all the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea people were talking about all these things so it spread like wildfire everyone who heard this wondered about it what then is this child going to be for the Lord's hand was with him and then in verse 80 of Luke 1 at the end of this long chapter This is John the Baptist says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly in Israel. I just want to pick up a couple other excerpts of John the Baptist's life, of how he started to fulfill um, his journey. In uh, John 1 verse 6, it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Matthew 3 verse 1 picks up the story some more. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in, the, calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Wow. is fulfilling a, a long-held prophecy from Isaiah. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. That doesn't sound very comfortable. And he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. Wow, i bought the honey here today, but I couldn't catch the locusts in time, so we'll just have to have the honey. We could do the honey, I'm not sure about the locust. They say they're crunchy on the outside and soft on the inside, but anyway. (laughs) I'm not sure why the Bible gives us all these details, (coughs) eh? It goes on. People went out to him from Jerusalem, all Judea, and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. This hadn't happened before. This is an amazing event going on. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptized, he said to them, you brood of snakes or vipers. This is not how to win people over, is it? Hey, They're coming to hear John and the preacher says, you bunch of snakes. What are you doing here? If we did that on Sundays, we wouldn't have many people show up the next week. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that's what we live in today, the overflow. When Jesus came, he baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire in our souls. And it says, His winnowing forks in his hands, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering into his wheat into the barn, And burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied these powerful words. Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment... Heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Yeah. So here we've got John the Baptist goes out preaching repentance, baptizing them in repentance. Many people came because, you remember, they'd been looking for the Messiah for hundreds of years. There was a cry. God had set the scene. They were under a cruel Roman government of dictatorship. There was a cry, like the people of Israel in in, uh, Egypt, saying, set my people free. They were there for 430 years. He was 400 years of silence after the last problem, crying out for the Messiah, for someone to set him free. And so when John the Baptist comes on the scene to prepare the way of the Lord, he grabs their attention. Many of them start to respond and get baptised in repentance so that when Jesus comes to preach, many of them became followers of Jesus. But without John's preparation, it would not have happened anywhere near to the same level of what had happened. And so here we see this amazing story. Let's pick it up in John one fifteen. It says, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. So John the Baptist was the one who declared those amazing words that Jesus was full of grace and truth. When I was reading through this, I, I started to realize some of the things of, that I read in the Gospels that John was the one who initiated all of those things prophetically and then Jesus came to fulfill them. John one twenty nine. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. Yes. He declared that and you know what happened? Most of the disciples that were following John then left him and went and followed Jesus. That's another way to decrease the size of your ministry quickly, hey? Don't look at me, look at him. And though many of his disciples then followed Jesus, but John wasn't upset because he knew that was his role. And it goes on and says, John 3.28, You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. Because they said, hey, God's working through you. Are you the Messiah? He says, no, I'm not. I'm a prophet that's come to point to Jesus. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. One version says he must increase and I must decrease. It wasn't that John's value or identity was decreased, but his purpose and his season for coming was now coming to an end. And he just kept pointing to Jesus. Look, there he is. Follow him. Follow him. And I think that's a challenge for us as spirit-filled believers. as we can get our identity mixed up a little bit. It's all about Jesus and we are carriers of his grace and message. All our life must point to Jesus. All of our words must exalt him. It doesn't mean we go to a false humility. That's why the Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. We need to have a healthy sense of value and identity of who God has made us with all the unique gifts and anointings and calling on our lives. So we're not not a false humility and putting ourselves in, oh, I'm, I'm nothing. It's all him. No, we are his messengers like John had But at the time and place, he said, I must decrease, but he must increase. And he was the last of the Old Testament prophets. He said, that old way of bringing life to people is now coming to an end. It is now Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit through the body of Christ is how I'm going to bring the message to the world. And that we're still in that season. And he goes on and says, the one who comes from above is is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth. And speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. Verse 34. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives the Spirit without limit. I love that verse. The Holy Spirit was poured on Jesus without limit. When Jesus breathed on his disciples, said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then when he left and went to heaven, says, wait until you're endued with power from on high. Because the Spirit comes on us without limit. And I thought, wow. Sometimes we settle for way less. Think, this is my little lot. I can only win these few people to Jesus. Or I can just raise my family well. Hey, do all those. But don't settle for less than what God has called us to be. If God's given you a dream, believe for it. If God's showing you uh, missions trips you're meant to do, don't settle for less. If God's showing you people groups in our community that you're meant to reach out to, don't settle, say, so, well, I just don't have that capacity. The Spirit of God can empower us <coughs> without limit. Verse 35, The Father loves the Son has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son is eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. I'd forgotten that it's John the Baptist who said all those are powerful words about Jesus. He was fulfilling his role. And then as the disciples and Jesus started to perform his miracles, John's ministry then faded into the background. And eventually, as a prophet, he challenged Herod for <coughs> living with uh, his brother's wife, And John lost his head in the process. But he went to be with Jesus in heaven. And he was a cousin of Jesus on the earth. And so we'll pick up that story um, next week, some more of the amazing story. Worship team, come on up. So as we prepare our homes, our church, our communities and workplaces for Christmas... May we invest time preparing our hearts for the entrance of the King. Putting up the Christmas tree. Who's got their Christmas tree up? Wow. Who doesn't have a Christmas tree? Who doesn't like them because they're too much effort? <laughs> Hanging all the, lo- the lights around your house? I can't believe this year, there was some people had their lights up on the 1st of November. What's that about, eh? Hanging all the decorations. Starting to cook the Christmas foods. I see all that starting to happen. Singing the Christmas carols. Enjoying the festivities of the season are all preparations that are meant to be enjoyed. But preparing our hearts... To encounter the Saviour is something that is meant to be life-changing, both for us and for our neighbours and our friends. It's the call of Christmas, the call to prepare, just as the angel said. So the question we finish with today is, how do you need to respond to the call to prepare during this Christmas season? We've seen how God prepared the world, prepared John the Baptist to come. And we're going to see in the next few weeks how he prepared Mary and Joseph and the shepherds for the Saviour to come. Why don't we stand in his presence? Today I just wanted to give you some background, some teaching from God's Word to see how amazing is the way God prepares our lives for his kingdom Let's just bow our heads for a moment. And my heart just gets filled with thanksgiving to Jesus for coming to this dark, broken world. Thank God that he's come. Thank God that he's come into our hearts. Thank God that he's faithful to his word. They'll never leave you or forsake you. And he's come to be the savior of the whole world, not just believers in him. Let's, let's close our eyes for a moment just to I want you to ask the, ask the question is your heart prepared fully for Jesus for this Christmas season are you at peace with him are you accepting his call and purpose on your life have we settled for less or are our hearts just bubbling up and overflowing saying Jesus like John the Baptist like Zachariah and Elizabeth said I don't know how that's going to happen, but I'm going to believe. We don't get Elizabeth's story fully, but she obviously responded in faith. And Zachariah got there to that place of response of faith. Sometimes it's a wrestle to get there. Maybe today you're here and saying, well, I haven't ever really opened my heart to Jesus. I'm still working out where Jesus fits in the story. I'll accept that historically it was true, but is your heart really prepared and letting him be Lord of your life? Or maybe you've been on a journey where you've wandered off of God's purpose, but this Christmas season, he's bringing you back fully into God's plan and purpose for your life. want to ask that question, have you ever responded to him or is it time to reaffirm your faith with Jesus? Maybe you're watching online right now and God's spirit is speaking to you